Well, New Hope, join me in giving a New Hope welcome to our new lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Y'all got to sit down, my goodness, sit down, my goodness, wow. I mean, before I kind of start talking, what was that, right? Come on, give it up for our worship team, come on. Do y'all always write songs that good around here? Oh my goodness. Do y'all always respond that well the first time a new song has been sung? I mean, I've been in church for a little, a little time in my life. I'm not trying to be mean, but sometimes when people hear a song for the first time, they're like, I don't know if I like this song, right? I mean, that's just, not y'all. I mean, my goodness, what a day. We've had such a good time so far. Uh, my family's here with me, Morgan and my boys, Sam, Jacob, and Henry. Yep. <laughs> oh, man, we've had such a good time. I've already got to hug a lot of people uh, shake a lot of hands, put some uh, names with some faces. Um, if I haven't met you yet, we're gonna be out after this service, our whole family. And um, I know it's Father's Day, I know there's a lot of things going on, but if you could swing by, we would absolutely love the opportunity just to get a chance uh, to meet you today. And it is Father's Day. And Abby, I do think a cute koozie is a fantastic idea. So I, I mean, I will be the first man to maybe publicly say that. Thank you for my cute koozie. So uh, thank you. Uh, for that, and uh, dads, we hope you have a good day. Uh, I'll be calling my dad later today. He's already texted me this morning and uh, letting them know how grateful I am for him. Hey, I've got a word the Lord's placed on my heart for all of you here in the house. I wanna welcome everybody joining us online as well. But before I get to that, I think sometimes it's important for all of us who are Christ followers, before we step into the new, before we go with God into the future, to cooperate with one of the most common commands in the Bible. And that common command is this simple word, remember. God knows how forgetful all of us can be. So, so before we kind of go into the future, maybe we can lean back a little bit into the past and celebrate some of God's faithfulness here at New Hope. And there are some people that I want to honor and I want to thank for their faithfulness today. And church family, I'm gonna ask you if you will help me honor them. This is how it's gonna work. I need you to pay attention, okay? Here's how this is gonna work. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about a group of people that God has used in my life as a part of our family. And then I'm gonna ask you to help me thank them publicly through your applause. We all on the same page? I like that. All right, the first group I wanna thank is our staff. We have an incredible team here at New Hope. Now, y'all know this, but over the last couple of weeks, I've had a chance to spend time with them. They're incredibly godly. They're incredibly competent. They love you. They serve you well. And as I shared with them this past week, ministry is a team sport. It's never been designed to be a one-man or a one-woman show. And we have an incredible team here at New Hope. So church family, let's thank them this morning. Come on. So good, so good. The next team I want to thank and honor publicly is the search team. And let me just tell you this, New Hope, you could not have picked a greater group of individuals to represent you on the search team 
than you did. When I started praying through this process, I didn't know anything about New Hope Church. What I learned about New Hope Church is what I experienced from the individuals on that team and the amount of hours they put in and the prayer they put in and the fasting they put in and how God united our hearts together in that process and I will forever be grateful for them. So publicly, let's bless them this morning. Let them know how grateful we are for them. Next, I wanna thank Reese Whitehead. He led so well during this past season. And church, you did such an incredible job a few weeks ago honoring he and his family. And I just wanted to make sure that I was able to publicly honor and thank him as well. So we need to thank Reese again just for his leadership. So good, so good. And then last, I wanna thank Benji and Amy Lynn. For all those years ago, having the obedience to step out in faith and follow God into this new adventure called New Hope Church. I'd never met Benji, and a couple weeks ago, I knew I was gonna be in town for a few days, so I just reached out and said, hey, can I take you to dinner? I'd just love to spend a couple hours with you. And in church, I was so encouraged as he told me the stories from the early days and how God proved himself faithful over and over. And Benji, I just wanna say thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for joining us today. I'm honored that you're here. So church, can we thank Benji this morning? So good. It's just good to be with God's people, and it's good to be with you today. Hey, let me give you a quick little preview um, where we're gonna go next week before I jump in today. We're gonna kick off a new series. It's gonna be called In the Light, and we're gonna spend all summer in the book of 1 John, okay? So I don't wanna disrupt your Bible reading plan, but let me disrupt your Bible reading plan, okay? This week, I want you to go ahead and start reading in 1 John, because what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through every single verse of this book, and not just so that we can learn more knowledge about 1 John. See, God's word was given to us, not just for information, but for transformation. So in this series, we're gonna see what it says, and more importantly, we're gonna see what we're supposed to do about what it says. So go ahead and start reading this week, and we'll come back in here on Sunday. If you can't be with us here on our campus, hopefully you can join us online, and we'll kick off this brand new series called In the Light. Before today, let me give you the phrase that God has really kind of uh, camped out in my heart for the last couple of months that I wanna unpack with you today, and it's simply this phrase, the gift of the church. The gift of the church. I just believe the church is a gift. And I'm one of those strange people who grew up in church and liked it, okay? I liked it. I gave my life to Jesus at an early age. I got baptized. Our church had an awesome kids ministry, an awesome student ministry, and I just loved getting to be a part of a church family. I got a lot of memories over the years uh, made in church. Um, I got to teach in a church for the first time as a sixth grade kid. Now, before you go, wow, that must have been awesome. It definitely was not. Let me kind of tell you how that went. It was at my grandparents' church. They went to a small little Methodist church in South Georgia. It was literally on a dirt road uh, surrounded by cornfields. And some of you may have grown up in a small church and sometimes in, in small churches, they'll have a part of the service where all the kids will come down front. 
and somebody will do a little kid's message. Now, usually that person finds out about 10 minutes before the service starts, right, that it's their Sunday. But what happened on this particular weekend is my meemaw, that, who is now with Jesus, and I was very close to my meemaw. Can I tell you all a secret? She called me pumpkin. That's the truth, okay? <laughs> And I liked it, okay? My meemaw volunteered me to do the kids' message as a sixth grader. Now, she told me this the day before on Saturday, and I thought, what word from the Lord would these little tiny kids love to hear from me tomorrow? And for whatever reason, I landed on the passage where Elijah calls down fire from heaven, right? (laughs) To consume the altar, he kills off the false prophets, the children are weeping on Sunday. It was not the best thing, but I gave them a sucker. They were fine. And so um, that was my first experience teaching. And another thing happened that day. I actually got to drive for the first time that day because on the way to church, Peepaw, who was also with the Lord, okay, looks at me and goes, there's not a lot of people out on Sunday mornings, tosses me the keys and says, you drive us to church. So as a sixth grade kid, I drove to church just like this, right? And then got to teach for the first time. It was an awesome day, unless you were my parents, but it was a really fun day for me, a lot of good times. I got called to ministry at the age of 18. I've worked at a number of different churches, spent a season in student ministry. Where y'all at? Come on, come on, where y'all at? Yep. Y'all did a lot better in the worship set. You're kind of hurting my feelings, right? I also spent a season, college and young adults. I know y'all over here. Come on, see? Yep, yep, see? I may not be the smartest guy in the world, but I picked up on a few things during that worship set, okay? So moved around a lot, served at some different churches. Um, God's done a number of great things over the years in our lives. And um, I'm excited to share in the next few weeks kind of the story of how God called me here. That's one of the things I've been asked a lot, like, how did you end up here? And I'm like, I'm asking the Lord the same question. Let's go together, right? But I'm gonna share that story with you because it's, it's a much longer story than I can really fit into one message, but I am excited to get to share. And all I can tell you, church, is how faithful God has been every step along the way. But specifically for today, if you're taking notes, I wanna share with you three ways that we see the gift of the church. And church, this is really just from my heart. If you woke me up in the middle of the night and said, why do you love the church? This is what I would say. And what I love about New Hope is the things I'm gonna share with you today The three ways that we see the gift of the church, they're the things that you've experienced. They're the things you've experienced a part of this church family, and these are the things that the Lord has been using in my life to draw me to you. But if you're taking notes, let me give you the first way we see the gift of the church. You see, the church is the way Jesus chose to spread the good news of the gospel message. We just finished the I Am teaching series. And make no mistake about it, Jesus was super clear. He did not suffer from an identity crisis. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. No one's gonna come to the Father except through me. But see, here's the thing. Anybody can say that. Jesus was faithful to prove that true by going to the cross, paying the price for your sin, the price for my sin. He then defeated death through the resurrection. Now, here's why that matters. The only person that can offer you eternal life is the person who's defeated death. His name's Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the thing. Have you ever stopped to consider how strange it was that he left the truth of all of that in the hands of some guys, his disciples, who if you study the four gospels, never really demonstrated they had a clue who Jesus was. 
And yet Jesus has this remarkable plan. In fact, let me take you to a part of scripture you've read before, but perhaps if we see it in its appropriate setting, it casts a new light on it. The last words Jesus shared before he ascended to God the Father. Now, we believe Jesus will be faithful to his promise that he will return, but this is the last conversation he had before he ascended. It's in Acts chapter one. Let me read verses six and seven. And they gathered around him, who's they, the disciples, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Can I tell you what the disciples asked Jesus that day? A very dumb question. The same dumb question they had been asking him for three years. This is why they were so excited on Palm Sunday. They thought Jesus was riding into town to set up an earthly kingdom. And maybe we can cut them a little bit of slack on Palm Sunday. But y'all, we're now at the day of Jesus's ascension. This is after the resurrection. He's been walking around with them for 40 days. He cooked them breakfast on a beach for Pete's sake, John chapter 21 tells us. And they're still asking the same dumb question. Even after the resurrection, they don't quite get who Jesus is. And Jesus really kind of brushes them off. He's like, you know, it, it, it's not really the time for, for you to know that that's kind of the father's business. And then he, he, he lands on what he really wants them to hear that day. So as we continue the passage, here's what Jesus tells them. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. They had no idea what that meant. Jesus could already see Acts chapter two. Jesus knew what was going to happen. And isn't it remarkable that these individual guys who were really nobodies by society standards, who hadn't demonstrated competency to understand who Jesus was, all of the sudden, post Acts chapter two, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they actually are used by God to change the world. Remarkable. So Jesus says, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. Power is gonna come on you and you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then after he said that, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. He literally told them that and then he was gone. Acts two happens and they got it right. And church, here's the thing. That is literally the story we sit in 2,000 years later. I mean, the good news of the gospel message has been handed down from one generation to the next by ordinary people empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus literally said, that's the only plan we're gonna have. We're, there is no plan B, we are plan A. And here's the truth right now, church, we are God's people on the earth right now. There's no plan B. And you may think, I wish we had lived in another time. God has ordained your days. And he has you here for such a time as this. And see, Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against us. And Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. And the church is at its best when the church is still on this mission, Amen. spreading the good news of the gospel message. I've been so encouraged this week because I was talking with Pam and Kanisha as they described to me how you're on mission here locally in this community. What is that? That's Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria. They've talked to me about things that are happening literally all over the world. What is that? That's to the ends of the earth. And, and, and many of you are here because this church was faithful to that mission. Many of you are walking testimonies of that 
mission. Let me share with you one of my favorite stories from a church that's on mission when it comes to spreading the good news of the gospel message. It happened about a decade ago in our life. We were serving at another church, and there was a couple named JJ and Rihanna who came to church one Sunday. Now, they came to church because JJ's grandmother um, um, invited them to come. Now, JJ and Rihanna had two little girls, two years old, four years old, and uh, JJ's grandmother kept annoying him to the glory of God, okay? She just kept annoying him to come to church. And he finally caved in and he went, <clears throat> excuse me, which if you're a grandparent, that should encourage you. Don't ever give up the influence you have in your grandchildren's lives to point them to Jesus. Some of you have grandchildren that are children. Some of you have grandchildren that are already adults. You stay invested in their lives. But JJ and Rihanna came. The gospel was presented that day and they responded in faith and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Literally on the first Sunday we're there. A couple weeks later, we were signing up people for life groups. And uh, they chose to sign up for the life group that my wife Morgan and I were leading. Oh, around uh, 10 or 12 couples had signed up for the group and, and we weren't really sure where we were going to meet yet. And so I emailed the group and I said, hey, um, our first meeting is in a couple of weeks. We're still looking for somewhere to meet. Um, if anybody would like to host us, you know, just respond to this email and let me know. And I had never met them, but this guy named JJ responded and said, hey, we'd be happy to host the group. And if somebody volunteers to host a group that you're leading and you've never met them, you better meet them, they might be crazy, all right? So that's kind of how that goes, all right? So I said, yeah, let's meet next Sunday. And so I met JJ, he seemed normal enough. We show up at their house the following week. We have a great first group. And at the end of the group, I announced to the entire group, hey, let's just say thank you to JJ and Rihanna. It's been awesome. And we can't wait to be back here each week. It's gonna be an awesome semester. We're gonna have such a time, great time together. And then on the ride home, my wife, Morgan, who is usually a lot more in tune with what's happening and definitely pays attention to details better than me, says to me, Adam, I don't think they volunteered to host for the entire semester. She said, I think they just volunteered for tonight. And I was like, my bad. And so I... Uh, <laughs> I called JJ and I was like, hey man, my bad. Um, I think y'all were just wanted to host for tonight. That's what Morgan said. That, I mean, I missed, I missed that. And I told everybody and he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, we want to host for the whole semester. He goes, no, no Morgan was right. Yeah, we did only volunteer for tonight, but, but um, we want to do it for the whole semester. And I said, awesome. And I looked at Morgan and I said, that's what happens when you listen to the Holy Spirit. So anyway, I just kind of got that, <laughs> just kind of got that little dig in. So I thought that'd be kind of fun. And and I slept on the couch that night, so it was good, but um, y'all know how that goes. And so uh, we got the group off and running, and then about a month later, we were baptizing people on a Sunday, and I was in the water, I was doing the baptizing, and the lead pastor at the time, he's, he's up there kind of wrapping up the sermon, and y'all had, we had some people signed up to be baptized, and he kind of went off script, and he's like, hey, I think the Lord's leading me to say this. Some of y'all need to get baptized. You just never took that step of obedience. And you need to get baptized right now. Adam's up there in the baptistry. He'll baptize you right now. And you're thinking, I can't get baptized in what I wore to church. He goes, no worries. We've got some change of clothes backstage. I mean, he just kept taking away all their excuses. And I'm in the baptistry, like, splashing the water. Let's go. This is going to be fun, right? So all of a sudden, people start coming in and the clothes they wore to church that day. And I'm baptizing them. And this line forms. this great move of God. I ended up baptizing 72 people that day. Come on, right? 72. I don't know if you've ever baptized 72 people in hot water. It's hard, okay? But um, it was fun. Guess who two of the people were? 
JJ and Rihanna. So they're coming in, I baptize them, and I'm like, that's awesome. So if you're tracking with me, over the course of about six weeks, they've gotten saved, they've opened up their home for a life group, now they've gotten baptized, and about two weeks later, the group is wrapping up and we're walking out, and JJ's like, hey man, can we talk for a second? And I'm like, yeah, and so we kind of step aside from the group, and uh, we walk down the hallway, and they got two little girls. They weren't there at the time, excuse me. So we walk into one of their rooms, and it's pink everywhere. And as a father of three boys, I was like, whoa, pink. And so we sit down and uh, he says, you asked a question tonight and I wanted to answer it, but I hadn't talked to Rihanna about it and I hadn't talked to you about it. So I just thought we could talk about it one-on-one. He said, you asked the question, what small step of obedience do you think God wants you to take that you're scared to take? And he said, we never got married. He goes, I just felt like that the Lord was kind of saying to me that that's a step of obedience we need to take. And um, he's like, I don't, know, I don't know what to do about that. And I'm like, dude, half our group is still in your living room. Let's go, I'll go do your wedding right now. <laughs> and he's like, details, eh, we don't need those, we do the wedding. And he says, um, you would do our wedding? I'm like, of course I would do your wedding. He says, well, we can't do that right now. Rihanna doesn't even know we're having this conversation. I was like... <laughs> Details. All right, good point. Good point, JJ. So I said, well, how soon can we do it? And so a few weeks later, on a Friday night, as I officiated their wedding, with their two daughters as the flower girls, where else does that happen? But with God's people. Being God's people on mission. They are literally, Morgan and I were talking about this week, changing their family tree. Because there was a church that was faithful to proclaim the gospel message. And I share that story with you, New Hope, obviously, because it is such a great, great story. But can I tell you the real reason I'm sharing that story with you today? There are countless JJ and Rihannas in this community. They don't know there's a God who loves them. They don't know there's a savior who went to the cross for them. They don't know there's a group of people ready to welcome them in with open arms. And God has strategically placed each one of you in their lives, students at school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. And until every JJ and Rihanna in this community hears the gospel message, church, we have work to do. And the church is at its best. We're on mission spreading the good news of the gospel. Let me get a second way that we see the gift of the church. You see, the church is a new family that we get to be a part of. The promise of the New Testament is that when you experience salvation, you get two things, a new identity and a new family. And over and over in the New Testament, we see passages that point to this truth. Let me share, you one, share with you one from Ephesians. Paul's writing this, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Paul says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, family, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. See, a lot of what you'll see in the New Testament, in fact, it's a common theme, are people who have experienced salvation. Oftentimes, their family of origin would then abandon them. The church, in a very real way, then became their family. But the challenge, don't miss this, was far too many times their actions and their behaviors were being shaped more by their family of origin than by the family of God. See, salvation's a gift. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. But when it comes to our sanctification, our growing in holiness, 
Our actions and behaviors matter. And church, in a moment of honesty, if we could, for many of us who are Christ followers, rescued and redeemed by the blood of the lamb, promised eternity in heaven with God forever, in a moment of honesty, we could possibly admit that sometimes, perhaps even oftentimes, our actions are still shaped more by our family of origin than the family of God. And it's one of the reasons God gave us the church. See, some of you right now are trying to parent in a way where you raise your kids so they will walk with Jesus, but you were not raised that way and you don't have a playbook to use. Some of you are in a marriage right now and you want Jesus to be the center of your marriage, but you didn't see that modeled for you and you don't have a playbook to use. And this is why God gave us the church. See, the church can supply for you what your family of origin never did. If you look around this room, here's what I will tell you. Whatever challenge you are facing, God's answer is his people. And he has surrounded us with his people. Yeah, you can cheer for that. Come on, come on, come on. It's a gift. It's a new family. And when you study the New Testament, here's what you also see about this new family. It was incredibly diverse. There are a lot of things, culturally speaking, that put people at odds. And one of the testimonies of the church in the first century was there was this group of people that was not the case. They were actually unified in the midst of their differences because of Jesus Christ. And you hope one of the greatest things about this church is its diversity. It's diversity, yeah. Diversity that is unified. And it's gonna sound like I'm taking a shot at churches, other churches. I'm not, I love the church, okay? So this is not intended to sound like a shot, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say something that's true, okay? I'm gonna try not to sound mean when I say it, but if it comes out that way, I don't really care. All right, so let me just say this. There are some churches that say they are for unity, but they're really about uniformity. See, uniformity is let's all check our differences at the door. Uniformity is, no, 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 we're gonna act like we're all the same. And uniformity is we don't talk about those things. And uniformity is cookie cutter Christian. And that is not what the New Testament teaches. Okay. Unity happens not when we push our differences aside, but when we let them rise to the surface. When we lean into those differences. When we sit down with our brothers and our sisters who are different than us, different family background, different life experiences, and we actually listen and learn from one another. That cannot happen in a church that's about uniformity. It only happens in a church that focuses on unity in the midst of its diversity because of who Jesus Christ is. That's New Hope Church. And church, that will continue to be our witness to this community. It's the greatest witness you've had this far. Yeah. In the third way, we see the church as a gift. The church is how you become the person God created you to be through selfless serving. There's nothing else like it in the world. See, what our world says is if you wanna become who God created you to be, and most people think God created them. 
You don't find a lot of just blatant atheists. I don't, people want to believe there's some higher power. So the world offers all of these ways. Hey, if you want to become who God created you to be, you better find yourself. Okay? Some people go hike Europe for six months to find themselves, right? Now, I'm not against hiking six months, but you're not going to find yourself, okay? The only way you can find yourself, don't miss this, is when you lose yourself. It's when you die to yourself. It's when you embrace selflessness in the midst of a world that says, no, you're the center of your story. But see, that's not what it looks like in a church. And if we want to become the people God's created us to be, we can only do that through selfless serving. And the picture that Paul uses to help us understand that is a body and how a body works together. So let me read this to you from 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 15. Paul says that the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. That is a beautiful picture of what a healthy church should look like. And church, let me kind of just break that down to what that means. Here's what it means. Everybody here at New Hope, every single week matters. See, when I sing... I actually sound just like John to myself. <laughs> and then Morgan and the boys go into another room. I don't, don't get it. I wish God had given me that gift. He didn't, okay? And sometimes, if we're not careful, church, we can have gift envy instead of saying, Lord, what have you gifted me with? And how can I actually put that into practice. Can I tell you how things work in God's economy? This is going to mess with some of y'all. Because you're going to say, I just don't know. And study the New Testament and get back with me. Here's how it works in God's economy. Those of y'all who greeted this morning, God's using you the same way as he's using me right now. You guys sitting back here? Yeah, come on. Come on. Everybody running all this technology that they won't let me anywhere near, okay? For good reason. Those of you who are running our online service right now, the individuals who are serving our children right now, God's using them. That's what a body looks like. And New Hope, we got to experience this firsthand. Most of y'all don't know this, but um, a little while ago, I snuck up here on a Sunday I knew y'all would eventually start spying on me, so I decided I'd most spy on y'all, okay? I went first. So what I did was I snuck up here on a plane with Sam and Jacob, and we flew up here on a Saturday. They didn't know we were going to the airport. If that causes issues later, guys, I'm sorry, but I thought it was a good idea, okay? So we flew up here on a Sunday, and what's fun about that is this is the second Sunday they've been at services at New Hope. This is only mom's first Sunday, so they'll always have one up on mom. And we came here... And uh, we came to the nine o'clock service. 
So we got here about 8.45 in the morning and we sat out in the parking lot and I looked at y'all and I said, hey guys, let's just kind of hang here for a second because um, usually at 8.45 in the morning before the nine o'clock service, there's not a whole lot of people and not a lot of people know who I am, but like, I don't, I don't want anything. So incognito is the word for the day. So we're just gonna kind of stay here and we're gonna let a crowd build and then we'll go in. But the problem was, as we were sitting there about 8.50 in the morning, it looked like a party out front. There are people everywhere. Now, some of y'all have left parties at 8.50 in the morning, okay? That's a different sermon, but this was happening before the service. And so we walked in and everybody was greeting us and welcoming us like we'd been here every week. We, we, we walked up the steps to, to come sit in the balcony and we could see as we walked past the kids' area, the, the, the smiles on the faces of the team in there and I didn't have Henry with me, but I knew if I had Henry with me right now, I sure would want to walk him in there. I bet he'd have a great experience. And, and then we came in here together and we worshiped with you. And New Hope, what I saw was the church body functioning like a healthy body. New Hope's not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect pastor. But I saw a healthy church a healthy body and spoke to me. And I couldn't help but think that day that a healthy body points us to Jesus' broken body on the cross. That this was his idea. That he literally came up with this beautiful idea to let us do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so church, can, can we receive communion together today? as my family joins with this church family for the first time. And as we take the, the bread, we're reminded of Jesus's broken body on the cross for our sin. Would you receive the bread with me? And as we drink from the cup, we're reminded that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for our sin. The only thing we brought to the table was our sin. And Jesus willingly took it. So we could be reconciled to God. So as we drink from the cup this morning, may we be reminded of the sacrifice Jesus paid. When I was first asked to start praying about the possibility of New Hope, I, I didn't know anything about New Hope and I was actually um, traveling that week. I was involved in a ministry thing in another state and it was a really busy week and so I didn't really have a lot of time to, to really do a whole lot about it until my flight back home. And so I got on a plane and um, I just decided I'm gonna see what I can find out about this New Hope church on the plane. And the first thing that God led me to about you was John and the worship team in the video singing, I Speak Jesus. In church, I just put my phone down on the plane. I started worshiping. And I said, Jesus, 
If that's what, if that's what you want me to be a part of, I'm in. If a church says, we're gonna speak the name of Jesus, we're gonna put Jesus first, everything will start and finish with him, that's what I wanna be a part of. See, church, if we leave today excited about a new pastor, we've kind of missed the point. See, we leave today grateful for Savior. And so I can't tell you how special it is to get to sing this song with you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Some of you, as you begin to prepare your hearts to say these words, you're walking through a storm. You're carrying a heavy burden. And my prayer for you is, as we enter into this time of response, that you would lay that at the feet of Jesus. And so Jesus, as we come to you now in prayer, we're grateful that when we speak your name, the enemy must flee. Jesus, that when we speak your name, strongholds must fall away. Jesus, that when we speak your name, addictions can be left behind. Jesus, when we speak your name, reconciliation can happen. Jesus, when we speak your name, that you can fill this place with your presence. And so Jesus, may these just not be words. May they literally be the cry of our heart that anything that we're walking through in this life, when we speak the name of Jesus, you move on our behalf. And Jesus, we thank you so much for that. And we pray all of these things in your name, the only name that saves, amen. Hey, church family, can we stand together as we worship together this morning?
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in these streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Jesus. 